Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to worship to all of you who are here in person, to those who are joining us online today as well. Thank you for being here. We're continuing um, our Lenten midweek series called Places of the Passion. Passion comes from a Latin word that means to suffer. So we're talking about the suffering of Jesus in this season. And last week we were talking about the Mount of Olives, which is directly across the Kidron Valley from the city of Jerusalem. And at the base of the Mount of Olives is a garden called Gethsemane. Gethsemane was a place where they had an olive press, where they would actually press olives that grew on the olive trees all across the Mount of Olives, and they would press that into oil. And it's in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed very intently to the point where his sweat was mixed with blood. It was in that place of Gethsemane where Jesus was betrayed and arrested and dragged off in chains to, uh, to be sentenced to death. So we're going to remember that today and that place of Jesus' suffering in Gethsemane. My name is Aaron Rosenau, one of the pastors here at Faith. It's my privilege to welcome you here to worship tonight. And as you are able, I will invite you to stand as we begin with our invocation on page one of your worship folder. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Let us ever walk with Jesus to see the depths of his love, to behold the gift of his forgiveness, to gaze upon the heights of his grace, to marvel at the magnitude of his mercy. We walk with Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he is betrayed by Judas and arrested by the Jews so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Faithful Lord, with me abide. I shall follow where you guide.
Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we confess that we have sinned against you and our neighbor in thought, word, and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart, nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. You desire a trusting heart, but we doubt and try to manage things on our own. You desire a forgiving heart, but we resent and tear down each other. You desire a willing heart, but we rebel and follow our own desires. You desire a giving heart, but we withhold and pursue earthly things. We have followed the temptations of our own hearts and fallen short of your desires. Have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. Hear the good news. Jesus walked to places of rejection, suffering, torment, and death, all for you. Jesus was determined to go to Gethsemane, Gabbatha, and Golgotha, all for you. That's why Jesus forgives you completely and loves you eternally. Faithful Lord, with me abide. I shall follow where you guide. Please be seated. Yeah. 
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, because Jesus walked into the perfect storm, betrayal, arrest, assault with a sword, and then deserted by his friends, you are able to bring your perfect peace into the storms of our lives. Empower us to believe it and receive it through Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, God forever. Amen. Our first reading tonight is from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to, the, to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility." He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 26th chapter Glory to you, O Lord. While Jesus was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them 
The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Friend, do what you came for. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you came out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. You know, while sailors describe a storm that nobody can escape, they usually describe that as a perfect storm. And not perfect in the sense of ideal, but perfect in the sense of its combining factors. Combining factors like hurricane force winds, and on top of that, a cold front, and rain, and high tide. Right? The hurricane force winds would be impossible enough, but then you add on top of that the rain and the high tide. It is a perfect storm. But you don't have to be a sailor to experience a perfect storm either. All you need is a layoff and a recession and a child going away to college, right? A whole bunch of things going on at once. A disease and a divorce and a parent with dementia. You can usually handle one of those, but then you add another and maybe a third and a fourth all at the same time. It's like bomb cyclone and polar vortex wrapped up in one. It is enough to turn your world upside down and inside out. So as I mentioned at the beginning of worship, we're in this series called Places of the Passion. And this week, we're walking with Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Gethsemane is a place of a perfect storm. There's betrayal, and there's an arrest, and an assault, and desertion, all piled on top of each other and all leading to death by crucifixion. Now, first of all, the crowd gathers, right? While Christ was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, came and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now, if you notice, 
Matthew does not mention the Romans because the Romans don't figure into this part of the story, not until later when he is actually mocked and then crucified. Here, the whole crowd that gathers is a crowd of Jews. The, the chief priests who control the temple and the elders who are part of the Sanhedrin, the, it's like the Senate of the Jews, 70 people, they, they send the soldiers to come and arrest Jesus. This, this would be something like our Supreme Court and our Congress sending the FBI to arrest you, right? They're coming with all force and all authority, and it's your own people. That's what's happening. All led by one of the 12, Judas. And Judas is there to betray. You know, every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we hear the words, our Lord Jesus Christ on the night when he was betrayed. That's this night. As in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I kiss, he is the one, arrest him. And he came up to Jesus and he said, greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Now, in the dark, they would not have recognized who Jesus was, and so they relied on this signal from Judas. And then Jesus said to him, friend, do what you came to do. Now, that's, that's an interesting statement from Jesus, friend, because of what Judas is there for. There's a, another place that this word friend is used in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 20, verse 13, and it describes a person in a parable who rejects grace for other people. And there's another place in the Gospel of Matthew where friend is used in Matthew 22, 12 to describe a person in a parable who isn't wearing the proper wedding garments and is kicked out. So you get the sense in the Gospel of Matthew that a friend is just one who is a friend in name only. That's Judas. And then the chaos commences, Right? And behold, one of those who was with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Now, John's gospel, this is in Matthew, but in John's gospel, we're told that it was Peter who was the one who drew his sword, that the servant of the high priest's name was Malchus, and that Peter cut off his right ear. So there's some other details that Matthew doesn't share, but all this crowd gathers and the chaos commences. You sort of see the perfect storm building here. So what about in your perfect storm? What's going on for you right now? Do you feel like you're just on the, you're at the mercy of the waves as you're bouncing up and down on the seas and you are doing everything in your power to hold it all together. You've battened down the hatches, you put down the anchor, you have consulted with the bank, changed your diet, called an attorney, tightened your budget, you've gone into therapy or counseling or whatever, yet the sea, is, the sea is still up and down and churning all around you. Ever feel like that? Anybody? Anyone relate? 
Yeah, no, most everyone doesn't want to put their hand up to actually admit, but we know how it is in this perfect storm. The waves are still coming. Well, if you're in that storm, let me tell you, don't give up. Don't give up, ever. And I don't say that because, because I believe you have the strength in yourself. I say don't give up because in every storm, we know who is really in control. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it appeared that Judas and the Jewish leaders were in control. Now, let me accent that word, appeared. It appeared that Judas and the other Jews were in control. Really, Christ is in control. How so? Okay, so then Jesus said to him, this is verses 52, 53. Jesus said, put your sword back in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? Here's what I find amazing. With everything churning around Jesus, the enemies come to him, and he steps out to meet them. Judas comes to betray, and Jesus does not run away. The swords start swinging, and Christ commands, put it away. Now in John chapter 10, Jesus makes a pretty, pretty bold statement. Jesus says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. That's a man in control. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is under control in the midst of the storm. He says, don't you realize I could bring 12 legions of angels? Now, a legion is a, a, a Roman term for a, a Roman military term. And one legion had 6,000 troops. So if you do the math, 6,000 times 12 legions, that's 72,000 angels. Jesus could have called on 72,000, but he doesn't because he doesn't need 72,000 angels. It's because he's in absolute control. Interesting story, during World War II, Psychologists compared ground troops with fighter pilots. They studied both groups of people, ground troops and fighter pilots, and they determined after 60 days of continuous combat that the ground troops' anxiety levels were off the charts. But during that same period, after 60 days of continuous fighting, the fighter pilots, 93% of them reported that they were happy and at peace. Why is that? The ground troops, off the charts anxiety, fighter pilots, at peace. 
It's because the fighter pilots had control. They had their hands on the throttle, on the, the control of the plane. The ground troops, they felt they had no control. They felt that they could be killed standing still as much as running away. There was no telling. They had no control. So, so what's the point in all of it? Well, popular wisdom says seize control in every situation, even when everything seems out of control, grab control. Then you'll get your life together. Now, we don't have to have a war or be in war to prove this. All you need is a backup on the interstate right? in the midst of traffic. There's a team of German researchers who did a little research, and they found that a traffic jam triples your chances of a heart attack. Triples your chances, because in slow traffic, we feel out of control. That's why popular wisdom repeatedly says, seize control, get it under control. There's only one problem with that. It doesn't work. And we find this over and over again, right? It's out of control. How can I get it under control? Would you like to know something that does work when you're in a perfect storm? Rather than seek control, relinquish control. Give it all up. Resign as CEO of the universe. You are not God. And as one popular song says, let it go. Right? Let it go. Give your entire mess to Jesus. Stop holding on to it and trying to control it all. You know what Mark 4.41 says? Mark 4.41. Even the wind and the waves obey him. That's how we're talking about Jesus. No matter the storm, every wind and every wave obeys him. You can trust that. So, going back to Matthew, after Jesus told Peter to put his sword away, and can't I call on 72,000 angels? But then, how should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Jesus was content, distressed, no doubt, but content with allowing the scriptures to be fulfilled all this has to, be take, has to take place to fulfill what the scriptures said. And what do the scriptures say? Like Zechariah eleven twelve, They weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver. Guess what Judas got? 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah twelve ten, They will look on me, on him whom they have pierced. Sounds like the words of Jesus, 700 years before Jesus walked the earth. Zechariah 13, 7, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And guess what it says at the end of our reading today? Then all the disciples left and fled him. There's a, a Peanuts comic strip. You know Peanuts? 
Linus, Lucy, Charlie Brown. There's a particular strip where Lucy is struggling with her Sunday school memory verse. And finally, it's just in exasperation, she says, maybe it's a verse from the book of reevaluations. <laughs> the book of reevaluations. Well, that, that's meant as a joke, but in another sense, I mean, the entire Bible is a book of reevaluations. It calls on us to reevaluate who's in charge. Guess what? It's not you. Christ is in control. Christ is in control even of our sins. He forgives every last one of them. Christ is in control of our prayers. He answers every one of them in his own time and according to his loving purpose. Christ is in control of our heavy burdens and he takes every single one of them to the cross. Anyone ever take their kid to camp? <laughs> and you drop off your kid to camp and you have to sign certain forms, like, you know, I'm the responsible party here. Parents, every time you take your kids to camp so that if you're... Uh, if your son or daughter breaks an arm or gets a bee sting or gets sick, you know, they know who's responsible. Christ signed his name for each of us. He said, I'm the responsible party. And he signed it in his blood. When the perfect storm hits, Jesus is the one who's responsible not us. He's the one in control. It's his job to see us through. He's the shepherd. We are the sheep. He is the rabbi. We are the disciples, the learners. Christ is God. We're not. So one of three things is happening right now in our lives. We're either heading toward a perfect storm. We're in a perfect storm or we're, we're just coming out of one. No matter what, we don't have to be hopeless, anxious, and faithless. We can be calm because we know the Christ, the one who's in control, and he can give us perfect peace. Amen? Amen. Before we sing our next hymn, our praise ringers have one more song that they are gonna, uh, they're going to play. This song is Glory Be to Jesus. So if you'd like to follow along with the song, but then actually meditate on the words to the hymn, that's in, uh, hymn number 433 in your hymn books. Hymn 433, Glory Be to Jesus. And after they're done then we will sing, Jesus, Savior, pilot me together.
I invite you to stand. Let us pray. Loving Father, we rejoice in the great gift of your Son and pray that you may find joy in the gifts that we bring. Help us to give of ourselves more freely and fully to you and to each other, trusting in your love to provide for our every need. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Gathered in the name of Jesus, let us turn to our Father in heaven and pray for all people according to their needs, trusting that he will hear us and answer us according to his gracious will. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon, with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the Holy Christian Church, the proclamation of the gospel, and the calling of all people to a saving faith in Jesus, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For the colleges and seminaries of the church and all who hold positions of authority in our synod, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our partnership with Children's Hope Chest and our care point in El Oregano, Guatemala, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our other local and global ministry partners, especially LWML, Levens, Five Stones, Habitat for Humanity, Vita, Celebration Lutheran School, and Camp Luther. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the executive, legislatures, and judicial branches of our national, state, and local governments, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For healthcare professionals, law enforcement, first responders, and search and rescue personnel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For victims of violence, terrorism, hate crimes, warfare, and other tragic events, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the strengths of families, the sanctity of marriage, and the protection of all children, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor, for those who work, whose work is difficult or dangerous, and for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the hungry, homeless, widowed, and orphaned, let us pray to the Lord. For the unborn, the abused, the forgotten, and the lost, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who, st- who struggle with disabilities and for those who provide constant care and protection, let us play- pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those struggling with addiction, mental illness, and chronic pain, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick, the shut-in, the recovering, and the dying, and all the people who provide care and support for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Now let us join together in the prayer Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 
Jesus invites us to walk with him to the Garden of Gethsemane, a place of great suffering and a place of great love. We will walk with Jesus all the way to the empty tomb and resurrection victory. Let us ever walk with Jesus. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.